Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Well, good morning, and it's great to be back. Thank you. <laughs> Phil has tried to convince me that that clock is an hour slow, but do I believe him? <laughs> anyway, um, just, a, just a thought which I'd like you to hold during the whole of the morning. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament, and uh, verse 6 and chapter 14, verse 2, and chapter 26, verse 18, God, God says to us, you are my treasured possession. You are my treasured possession. And we were singing about how much he loves us. And uh, I'm not going to preach on this, but I want you to hold that thought, that you are God's treasured possession. I am God's treasured possession. As you have to sit there looking at me, don't look at the outside, handsome though it is. (laughs) Just think, no, he is God's treasured possession. I am God's treasured possession. And uh, as you hold that thought, I'm going to read some verses from 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, and verse 6 6 to 9. And it says this, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen jars to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here as we've worshipped you. We thank you for speaking to us through prayers and testimonies and Bible reading and communion. Now we ask you, Father, as we look at this, that you will speak life, faith and glory into our lives in Jesus name Amen Amen. Right we're going to jump into the middle of what Paul is talking about and uh, I'm not going to explain any of the background that is simply so you've got more time at the end to book in to your church holiday (laughs) I don't want to take that time away from you because there are probably many of you who even now are hardly listening to me you're just thinking I must go and book in (laughs) I must remember to do that. I must forego the coffee and book in first. (laughs) I try to help. So, miraculously today, although most of you do not know me, miraculously I have three points. It's very, very rare, as as my church would tell you, that I have three points. And so we're going to look at three sides of the coin, the front, the back and the edge. And uh, the first point is the glory within, the second is the trouble beside us, and the third is the presence around us. So those are my three points. And it will be even more miraculous if I stick to them. (laughs) But there you go. Paul wants to show 
what a tremendous glory is the gospel. What you're talking about last week, obviously, in terms of getting out and sharing and being those who are sharing the gospel. We are sharing wonderful news. It's tremendous news. It's glorious news. It's magnificent news. It is powerful news. It is life-changing news. And the world out there, though it doesn't know it, needs it. And Paul, (coughs) when he became a Christian, as many of you will know, he was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus. And at the time, he was going to... uh, He wasn't a Christian, obviously, at the time. He was a Pharisee, and uh, he was a bit of a zealot, and he'd gone to the chief priests in uh, Jerusalem and said, look, give me letters. I want to go and destroy this newfound faith, this, this, this group of people that are talking about Jesus that has risen from the dead. I want to go and meet them. I want to go and destroy them. I want to get hold of them. I want to put them in prison. Some of them I want to kill. And on his way to Damascus, Jesus meets with Paul, and a bright light envelops him. And at that point, his life radically changed from being a self-satisfied, self-righteous, legalistic, narrow-minded young man. I don't know whether that relates to anyone here. (laughs) (laughs) Into a person who suddenly just wanted to do what Jesus told him to do. A person who no longer felt he had to keep loads of rules and regulations about how to live, but knew that because of Jesus' death on the cross, because Jesus had risen from the dead, because Jesus had ascended into heaven, that God was now forgiving people who had never managed to keep those rules and regulations anyway. And suddenly he experienced a freedom from guilt, a freedom from shame, a freedom from that self-righteousness, that self-made man. And he became a servant of Jesus Christ. And he knew what it was to be forgiven. He knew what it was to become a son of the living God. He knew what it was to have the empowering of the Holy Spirit deep within his life. And he says um, in in another letter that he writes to someone, when that change came to me, I realized that all my self-righteousness was just rubbish. I knew that everything that I'd been aiming for in life, it wasn't worth much at all. But knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus was so, so valuable that I count everything else as rubbish. You know, we get so used to being Christians. We get so used to being Christians. Um, Two weeks ago, (laughs) Leslie and I were very privileged to, um, we went to northern Iraq to Kurdistan, um, where New Frontiers has sent two couples to plant um, churches among the Kurds. And uh, so we went to visit them. (coughs) And while we were there, we met, um, we were able to visit a couple of the refugee camps um, that were close by in the town that we were staying in. And the first refugee camp we went to was made up of 
Iraqis that had been displaced within Iraq. So where ISIS had come in and just run through their homes and their towns and their cities and they were just killing. Um, these Iraqis were now displaced. They had nowhere to live in their own countries. And so we went and visited um, at one of their camps. And firstly, <laughs> I've got to say, the UN is doing an amazing job. Um, the, 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 the camps there, I mean, they are fenced in, and some people living in tents. Others have been there long enough to be able to build houses. They're allowed in and out. They can get jobs if they can, because they are Iraqis. They're in their own country. Um, they just don't have their own homes or their own possessions. And, <clears throat> and we were... We were very fortunate. We spent about half an hour, three quarters of an hour with one of the managers of the camp, in fact, the manager of the camp, and, uh, which was just fascinating. He was an Iraqi. And I said to him, I said, how did you get into this? Why, why did you become a camp manager? And he said, well, this is, I've been a refugee in my own country three times. He wasn't that old. He was mid-30s, early 40s, coming up to 40 maybe. Yeah. Three times he'd been a refugee in his own country. And uh, on the second occasion, he was actually rescued on the Iraq-Iran border by Iranian um, border guards as he was just on the point of death. He'd not eaten for, eaten for quite a number of days, hadn't drank for uh, over 24 hours and was just about to die. And they rescued him. He said, that's why I got involved in this. And uh, he, was, he, was a he was a really, really lovely guy. The second, second camp we went to was um, Syrian refugees. And uh, there we met a family, and <clears throat> they had clearly been quite prosperous in Syria, but the place where they were living um, ran out of food, water, and money. Um, her parents lived on the other side of Syria and had food, water, and money because they lived in the part where Assad was. But they couldn't cross their own country. They could only come out. And it was, it's like, I hadn't thought of that. Um, so she's saying her parents are still living there and the parents are okay, but that they can't go back. They couldn't cross Syria to get there so they had to come out, and they're now living in this refugee camp, having been able to bring just the possessions that they could carry. But during that process, the whole family had become Christian. They'd met Jesus. And it was just so humbling to sit in there, sort of, that little, they'd been there long enough to be able to build somewhere. Um, and he did some teaching in the camp. She paid for her husband. But for them, the joy of knowing Jesus was worth the trauma of becoming a refugee. It was just, you're just sitting there thinking that it, it doesn't quite add up to me. But the joy of knowing Jesus was worth the trauma of being a refugee. Because they knew if they hadn't have been a refugee, they would never have encountered Christians and become Christians. And for them, knowing Jesus 
was so precious. And, you know, <laughs> you know, English hospitality, we're just so good at it. You know, come and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. And if we're really pushy, have two biscuits. Um, and that's out of a cupboard that is absolutely full. We're sitting in this home. Um, I mean, sitting, there's just some cushions on the floor, and that's their beds and their seats. And uh, she is, this lady is virtually in tears because she has invited us back for a meal, and we've had to say, well, actually, we fly home tomorrow. We, we, we won't be able to come. And she's saying, oh, I'm just so sorry. I can't feed you. I would, you know, if you came tomorrow, I would have got something for you. I would have just loved you to have come, just love you to share dinner with us. And I'm sitting there thinking, where was the last, you know, you invite people for a meal, don't you? I'm hoping someone's inviting us for a meal. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's, a, there's a nice thing about it. Come round for a meal. But you're not actually that offended if they say no. <laughs> you know, some... <laughs> Maybe you are. Maybe you are far more generous-spirited than myself. But actually, if you say, yeah, come around for a meal, well, actually, you can't make it, we're doing this. All right, okay, fine, no problem. And there's this lady who had nothing, virtually crying because she couldn't really extend hospitality. And that's part of her culture, but it was the hospitality of your Christians. I would just love to spend some more time with you. I'd just love to be able to be here. And we, we just prayed for her um, in her home. And she was just so overwhelmed. And I just count it such a privilege to be able to go into those situations. Because it really changes your thinking when it comes like to Sunday morning. Oh, it's church again. It's church again. Or it's community groups. It's not house groups, it's community groups. <laughs> just, I, just, I just thought you probably been told that several times, so I thought I would publicly do it. And that maybe the embarrassment might just come on it into your heart that it is actually community groups up there. <laughs> do you know, I'm dyslexic and I am appalling at spelling, but even I knew that was the wrong meat. <laughs> Oh, I like making friends. Is it yours? Yeah. Oh, excellent. You're looking so good. You must be the most handsome man on the front row. <laughs> There's a point to all this, I'm sure. <clears throat> but for this lady, the knowledge of the glory of knowing Jesus far outweighed all the deprivation that she had to go to. And Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen, 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 I can't say the word, vessels, that's the word I'm looking for. The glory within. We, we have such a treasure within us. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the knowledge of God. It's knowing who Jesus is. It's knowing forgiveness. It's knowing freedom from guilt. It's knowing freedom from shame. It's having the power 
to live life. The glory within. But second, <clears throat> we have trouble beside us. Now, as we read these verses, we are hard-pressed on every side. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down. We have to remember, and I just want to push this a little bit because you sort of tend to scoot over some of the words in the Bible. We have to remember that this is the Apostle Paul, okay? It's not like you or me. It's not like that Christian that is always having problems and difficulties and is always telling you how hard life is and you're looking at it and thinking, you've got to be kidding, mate. Your life's easy. You just feel it's hard. So it's not that person. It's not you and me. This is the Apostle Paul. You know, one of the greats of Christianity. One of the ten great people in the Bible. And he's saying that he is hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. You don't often get Paul. In fact, in Corinthians is a great letter because you really get into the emotional life of Paul. Because when we think of Paul, we think of him sort of in, like in the book of Ephesians. In the armour of God, battling and fighting away. We think of him fully forgiven and just floating through the Christian life. This is easy. This is me, Paul. I'm just floating along. God is carrying me through. No. Here, he is battling with life. And we need to hear that. Because it is just possible that you might have some battles in your life. And Paul had those battles. He was hard-pressed. And the sort of word here is sort of, <clears throat> it's like he's harried with hundreds of thoughts and challenges of life. You know, sitting in prison, he's wondering how the Ephesian church is going. He hears there's trouble down in Corinth. He... <clears throat> Hears that um, in Rome people are getting persecuted. He's stuck there in prison and all these thoughts are coming at him. How long am I going to be in prison? Why can't I get out there and preach the gospel? God, why have you hemmed me in, in prison? Why, why do you keep putting me in prison? Why, was, why did I have to have, go through that shipwreck? You're big enough to make sure that boats don't, get, don't sink. God, why did you give me all this trouble? And he feels the pressure of those questions. He's perplexed. Cannot understand. We have such a powerful God. And yet sometimes he lets us go through trials, tribulations and difficulties which he could just click his finger and solve for us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just say to God, any chance you could just click your finger here and solve this for me? Why is it so difficult, God? Why have you, why have you made this path so windy for me when you could just click your fingers and solve everything? And sometimes I have those questions. I'm sure you do. 
Paul did here. He couldn't understand. God, why? 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 He was persecuted. He was beaten on numerous occasions. He was let down in a basket by sort of on a wall out of a city to escape being killed. He was left for dead after stonings. People didn't like him. He'd met this glorious Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then as he walked, he faced trials, persecution, and difficulties. He was struck down. Illness. Physical beatings. Emotionally. Paul didn't always live on cloud nine. When you read through particularly Corinthians, but some of his other letters, he's hurt by friends that leave him. He is sometimes discouraged by the situations that he is facing. The word here could even mean depressed. Sometimes he writes, please come and visit me. Everybody else has deserted, but please come. I need a friend. And this is the Apostle Paul. But in it all, he's not crushed, he's not despairing, He's not abandoned, and he's not destroyed. But we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us. We have an an incredible treasure, but it is in the weakness of our bodies. And part of that is so that God can get the glory for everything that we do. Now, I need two volunteers. <coughs> so you'll be one, and you'll be the other. <coughs> it's, not, it's not difficult, actually. Just to say, other make-it-your-own kits are available, but this, is, this lot have the biggest bag. I don't know whether this is going to work. Anyway, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And uh, the trouble with just coming in and doing a one-off is that you aren't able to cover the whole of everything. And we can feel very much like we're just a dirty old pot, uh, which is very fragile and uh, isn't worth very much. And the danger is that we hear we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Let's, let's let John see as well. So just go move back there a bit. <clears throat> and uh, the danger of today is that you walk out thinking, yeah, I've got a tremendous treasure within, but really I'm just a dirty old pot. Now the trouble with dirty old pots <clears throat> is they are very breakable. Now, I'm sure at this point we should have some sort of risk assessment, health and safety thing, and glasses and everything. But I'm going to go with gravity that if I smash this, it will fall into here. (laughs) 
because we can feel just like this pot. Now, the thing is, if you tap this pot, it will sort of get marks on it, but it doesn't do much. But if you feel, leave today feeling you're one of these pots, and that if, I, if it's hit by the devil, by all these problems, it will smash. It did. It was good, wasn't it? That's not going to do you very good. But... That's how we feel, like that dirt, like the pot. We have a treasure in earthen vessels, but it's not how God sees us. I haven't told my wife I'm going to do this, so just watch your face. <laughs> because this pot... This pot is equally breakable. It's made of fundamentally the same material as that. And if I crack it, it will break. Now, a friend of mine has a little saying. He says this, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> unhappy wife, unhappy life. If I smash this, there are consequences. <laughs> and there are consequences that are going to last for quite a long time. And those consequences are going to prevent me from hitting this with a hammer. So just for the sake of her heart rate, I will put the hammer down and just say there are two things going through her mind at the moment. One is, why is he doing this? And the other is, he could have at least polished the silver before he bought it. <laughs> just show that we know each other. See, John, I'd bring my wife with me. <laughs> that was such a that cheap shot. <laughs> See, we see ourselves very often with a treasure inside, but we're just a dirty pot outside. God sees us as treasured possessions. And when he holds this up like this, and the devil looks on, God says this, you touch that, and there are consequences. You can shout at it. You can scream at it. You can put it under pressure. You can cause it problems, but you don't touch it because there are consequences. Because this is my treasured possession, and you don't touch it. Not only does it have an incredible treasure within, but to me, it is incredibly precious. And I want you to leave today remembering you have a tremendous treasure within. And you feel, and I feel, inadequate for it, weak, often failing. But God sees you like that.
incredibly precious, with an incredibly tre precious treasure within. When you feel perplexed, when you feel harried, when you feel, this ain't fair, God, I'm being persecuted. When you feel struck down, don't think of yourself as a dirty old pot that can be smashed at any price, but as something incredibly precious that God says, touch that, and there are consequences. And I am God, and I will carry out those consequences. Thank you. Round of applause for them. <laughs> My wife can now breathe. <laughs> for God said, God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen jars to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And God says of each and every one of us, earthen vessels but treasured possessions. Let's just stand. Let's just pray. Can we have the musicians up? In the hope that they might possibly know what song to sing. Father God, we are so grateful that you do love us. We thank you that that love is <clears throat> so practical, so healing, so strengthening, so powerful. We thank you that it is a love that dwells within us as you dwell within us. We come before you and we, we do feel weak, we do feel inadequate. We're so aware of the times we fail you. But we step back and we hear you say of us, you are my treasured possession. Anyone touches you and there are consequences because these are my treasured possessions. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Fill us with the glorious light of the gospel. Fill us with the knowledge of the truth. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your strength. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.